Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Tommy's Lead Podcast. I'm Logan, uh, and here with me today to review week two games. Artem, I'm glad you survived that heart attack. Uh, that was a rough one. Me too. Uh, looking back on it, it wasn't that bad on my watch. My heart rate didn't get above 120, but some folks in the stadium tweeted their hearts went up to 164 higher, so... It was a workout for the Aggies this weekend. Uh, it was certainly a workout for your backup quarterback, if nobody else. But uh, it was a it was an exciting game. I was actually watching that most of the way. Um, and another game we watched, uh, my good buddy Andrew. Georgia Tech actually won a game. Don't we feel special? I, I admit that I was wrong. I expected to lose to Kansas State, and we did somewhat the opposite of that. Somewhat the opposite. Yes, that is correct. You are technically correct, the best kind of correct. So let's go ahead and get into our uh, week uh, two recap. I, I keep forgetting it's week two because we had week zero. I always get confused. But we'll start with you, Artem. Um, obviously, you've got a higher investment in the Aggies. Uh, they were able to survive some of the chaos that sucked up that sucked up people the rest of the week. Um, I think... I think, uh, do you want to get into uh, the struggles y'all had against Colorado? I think it mainly came down to the starting quarterback, correct? Yeah, it was bad luck. Um, you know, our, our starter uh, is a, a first-year starter. He played some garbage time last year. It was like two minutes against Alabama. So we were pretty excited to see how he would improve week one to week two. And unfortunately, on the second drive, um, he got – Suplexed by one of the defenders as he was already going to the ground, and the second defender was already dragging him down. It's not necessary, but got hit from both sides. Probably should have been a foul, um, and got hurt. Uh, still, still kind of no news on the injury. It ranges anywhere from a broken ankle to a high sprain, so he's likely out until past the Alabama game. But due to that, our backup, who's also a scholarship quarterback, who uh, the two of them were going at it supposedly in camp. And this guy lost. Uh, he got thrown in, and uh, he was not ready to play. You know, a lot of uh, what Jimbo preaches is uh, you practice just as much as uh, any other. If you're second string, you're still practicing as much as the first string. But he kind of got thrown in on the road at a neutral site game, uh, and he w- he wasn't ready. There was a lot of uh, really easy kind of dump offs he missed early on, um, but. Our defense held up and held Colorado for the rest of the game. They didn't give up any more points besides the, the seven points in, the, I believe, it was the first quarter. And uh, because of that, um, they were able to, buy, able to buy this guy time to settle in. And, you know, it, it's just another game kind of situation. Just play the play. Don't worry about getting the points back. and Don't worry about the expectations. And eventually he put together three really good drives at the end. Uh, one, I believe, we failed on a fourth down conversion. I definitely want to fumble in the end zone. Um, I'm just trying to get a really good play, honestly, with some bad luck. But then finally, he, he threw a really sick ball uh, to our running back in a place where nobody else could catch it, and uh, that was it. Defense held up for most of the game. Um, There's a, a lot of back and forth and an old school 10-7 to 7 score. I will say, I loved Spiller. I walked away from that game feeling like Spiller at running back was definitely always in the right position to make the to make the play and kind of like be a bailout option for the quarterback. I, I really loved how 
they all work together. It can't. It, it worked out well for y'all. Uh, hopefully, this is the most stressful game you have to deal with on the year. Uh, well, Alabama's coming up in a couple weeks, so and then uh, there's always Arkansas in two weeks. So now uh, this backup's got to be play a cupcake, get enough practice reps, and be ready for Arkansas because uh, we got a nine-win streak to keep up with, uh, keep up with over there. Uh, yeah, not to mention the fact that uh, now you got to prove that uh, you're not going to lose to the team that beat Texas. So, yeah, that's always fun. Uh, Andrew, uh, did you have any fun? I'm not even sure if you were able to watch the game. Do you have any thoughts about the Texas game? I didn't, I didn't watch it. Okay. Well, I can't speak much to it. The score surprised me. It, it was dramatic. But uh, like we talked about, there were a lot of bad situations. Well, let's get to the game you did watch. So, uh, Georgia Tech... Uh, I'm not going to overcomplicate things. We could talk about all the nitty-gritty details. The fact of the matter is we came up against a Kennesaw State team that Georgia Tech, by all rights, should have beat. We did. And it looked good. I think, Andrew, what I'd like to discuss with you, um, something that uh, you and I have talked about uh, recently and kind of coming into this podcast. So Yates at quarterback is – why do we keep trying to put Sims back in when it seems like Yates is more successful on the field in general? Uh, I, go ahead and let you take that one. First things first, George Yates becomes the first quarterback in Georgia Tech history to throw four touchdown passes in his first career start. So he became the first one to throw three touchdown passes in his first career start since George Dotsie. So. I don't know. I read since was still injured somewhat this past weekend. He, if absolutely necessary, could have played, but wasn't going to get the start. And I think Gates came in, did what he needed to do, played incredibly well. You know, did what they asked him to do, which you know, really didn't ask him to stretch the field. They asked him to try to throw to you, just can't make the throws he needed to throw and run the offense. He did a really good job. I've always been a Jordan Yates fan. I liked him when he was in high school at Milton, and he basically willed his school to a state title. I've always wanted him to get a fair shot in quarterback battles. Now, we're not at practice. We don't see what the coaches see at practice. We're not in the locker room. We don't see how the players respond or how the players view or feel this. So I think one of the underrated not really talked about parts of the quarterback battle is you have to pick the guy that the locker room trusts. Because you can really quickly lose a locker room if you pick a guy who doesn't head and shoulder show the rest of the team, he's going to be the guy that gives them the best chance to win. And I have to imagine from everything that I've read, that that is Jordan Gates. Jordan Gates is a, has been a leader, seems like a kid who would be a leader now, obviously, we've got a tall task next week. It's going to be tough for a guy to have his first road start in Death Valley against a Clemson team that, for all intents and purposes, is going to be out for blood. Given that they lost to Georgia and given that they to make a showing every week of beating their opponent as much as they can, you know, showing that they're that much better than who they're playing in order to impress the playoff committee and, and to kind of help push their playoff chances. It, it's not going to be fun for him. 
Um, now, do you think he actually will start at all, though? Like, do you think if Sims is healthy, they'll push him back in? Or do you think they'll just chalk it up as, like, he wouldn't, Sims wouldn't do well anyway? I don't, I don't know. I think that the struggles we saw from Jeff Sims against Northern Illinois were really concerning because he had a full offseason. He had spring ball. He had summer reps. He had everything that you should have going into the season. So he really can't argue with much as saying, oh, he had COVID shortened preparation. So it's a year that he really should have made moves and shown better. And he really struggled a lot when he played against Northern Illinois. How that works. Uh, my other concern is if Jeff Sims looks like a starting quarterback, 6'3, 210, cannon arm, you know, he's the guy that everyone's going to, ooh, uh, you know, can come into camp, throw the ball a mile, but hasn't shown a lot of the other command of the offense you look for. Whereas, you know, Gates is listed at six foot, he's probably not six foot. You know, doesn't have the strongest arm, but is a guy that shows, like I said, like he, the will to win, the fight to win. And he seems to be a guy that's a really good understanding of the offense of where to put the ball. That was my biggest thing. Even as Northern Illinois, as you saw, you know, Yates hit guys in the numbers. You know, Yates hit guys where they could catch it. You put the ball where he needed to put it, where Sims really struggled. And so that's where I go, okay, you play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. But I, I had my own thoughts at times where decisions made by this coaching staff haven't necessarily been made in the best interest of winning a game. I think sometimes they're still trying to prove a point or make a stand or something or the other. I really, really hope that Jeff Collins isn't that kind of coach because you're not going to be very successful if you are. Uh, obviously, he's only won seven games in three, two, two years and two games, but... I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Is that, and, and as well as like I said with the locker room, is if the locker room's decided, hey, you know, Jordan Yates is our leader. Jordan Yates is the guy that we think gives us the best chance to win a game. And you you try to shoehorn Jeff Sims in, uh, you know, you want to get a coach run out of town, you lose a locker room. And you know, you you have a coach who who loses a locker room like that. It happened with Bill Lewis, George Tech in the early '90s. Uh, Johnny Davis was pretty highly recruited quarterback that the locker room really loved that, that had played pretty well. He brought in a junior college transfer and made him the starter, and the team pretty much collapsed. So you really have to be careful sometimes when you you balance out who you decide to start. So I think the other thing we could possibly see is is news come out that you know Sims isn't ready. You know he's still struggling with the injury, whether he is or not, and that kind of gives them the smoke screen to keep playing Yates. But I, I think you should stick with Jordan Gates until he shows he can't do it. Uh, to me, what we've seen now, argue Northern Illinois and Kansas State are not in Clemson. Yeah. So obviously it's, it's a step up in, in opponent in order of magnitude. But, you know, if he comes out and plays well against Clemson, I'm not saying we should expect to win the game or he has to win the game to keep the job. But, you know, if he comes out, plays well, minimizes mistakes, and, and we just still lose the game, I think that he's still a guy that you, you continue to ride because he's the guy that's shown he can get it done when he needs to. Yeah, and I mean, that's my take. It's also very clear as you watch on the field, it seems like 
like Sims when he misses these passes, he's often blaming the other team, the other players on his own team for like missing routes that clearly is not the case. And I mean, I feel like if nothing else, the locker room. And I don't know this. I'm not in the locker room, but it does seem like the players around Yates seem to respect him more than they do for Sims. But maybe that's just my imagination. Um, but yeah, Artem, I, I don't think you watched Georgia Tech. I might be wrong, but uh, do you have any thoughts to add before we move on to the chaos and the rest of in the rest of the uh, NCAA? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that frustrates I think some people. And there's people on both sides of this uh, issue, I guess, is when do you, you stick with one guy and you just, you just ride him the entire time and hope he gets better, or do you bounce around between the two quarterbacks? And having watched someone just completely horribly F it up uh, after uh, Johnny Football left for four seasons, uh, I, I'm no longer frustrated with it. I watch uh, Jimbo now essentially ride him on for three years and I 100% get why seeing the two uh, quarterbacks this year um, I, I think that George Tech coaching staff really needs to figure out what they want and they need to adjust the play calling just like a to the quarterback that you've got, make easy reads make it easier for them for whatever their skill set is to make the plays, now if that guy gets hurt, you put the second guy in or play him in garbage time bring out whatever plays he's got, but you really just got to give one guy reps. And if one guy is, you know, if you play one guy for a season and a half now and the second guy's coming in and the guy you play for a season and a half isn't your future, then just bench him. Like, don't don't be afraid of that. Because honestly, you're you're not doing anybody any favors playing two quarterbacks. I watched it with, with Sumlin and uh, we had Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray, two five-star quarterbacks, a pocket passer and a dual threat. And both of them are currently playing in the NFL and both transferred out because someone couldn't make a decision. So I hope for Georgia Tech's sake, they'll figure out which quarterback you want to use and just stick it out with that guy. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I hope so too. It make it would make watching the games a lot easier. Uh, all righty. So with all that said, so we got our teams out of the way, Texas A&M and Georgia Tech. I would talk about Alabama, but I don't think there's anything really to say. They beat Mercer like they stole something. Um, so. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the rest of the chaos in the NCAA. We had a lot of upsets. Um, I'll go ahead and get started with the one we didn't see coming. We picked. We all picked this game. So USC lost to Stanford, and more surprisingly, it wasn't. It was not even relatively close. Uh, Artem, you're closer to the West Coast. Did you? Were you able to catch any of this game? <laughs> I caught a few games. Which one do you want me to talk about specifically? Uh, Stanford, USC. Oh, uh, I saw highlights of that one. Um, it looked like USC was very scared. And, you know, there's there's memes that exist from it now with, uh, what's his name, the Stanford coach just looking mean as hell on the sidelines, right? Stanford came to play. USC looked like USC the last couple seasons. They, they, Struggled to figure it out the first couple games. There's thoughts about leaving their coach at the gas station again. And then all of a sudden, you know, they hit a second gear and they start playing. So I think USC still sleepwalking. Stanford just looked like an NFL team handing it to them. Yeah, I guess I was just shocked because I think 
I came into this expecting Stanford to continue their downward spiral, but uh, and USC has been hyped up pretty well this year, so I, I was just a little shocked that uh, Stanford ran away with it the way they did. Uh, Andrew, any thoughts on that matchup? So, my in-laws are actually at this game. But, uh, you gotta love a game where on the opening kickoff, USC's kicker is ejected for targeting. Which, again, I don't think that has anything... I don't... I think we're just not teaching kickers the proper technique for tackling. I mean, that's also probably true. But, like, that's kind of funny that the kicker gets thrown out the current. I've watched some of this game. I've gone back and looked at the box score. And the U.S. team just really struggled on offense. It was 21-10 to at the half. USC picks a field goal. It's 21-13. And then the problem is USC throws a pick six. I mean, they're never really in the game. Stanford scores a couple more touchdowns. USC gets, you know, at one time it was 42 to three. You know, USC scores too late to make it, or 42 to 13. Scores a couple late to make it slightly better than it was. But, man, you know, and, and this is all, I read Stanford off after last week with their really, their struggles against Kansas State. So maybe David Shaw heard me and was like, hey, Shut the hell up. They're still good. So, uh, it was, I saw somewhere, uh, Clay Helton's first ever loss at USC when they went into the game as a 14 or more point favorite. Which is really disconcerting because you can, you lose the tough games and still kind of survive. If you start losing games like this, you are going to be in a lot of trouble. So, uh, you know, his, his seat's been hot the past couple of years, and USC is really... And the problem is USC wants Pete Carroll. They want Pete Carroll era. You know, they, they want to be back to the level of where they're, they're the Alabama at that time, winning two, arguably, three national titles in a row, depending on who you talk to. Playing the greatest game ever against Texas and, and all of that. Uh, the problem is that Play Help just hasn't shown an ability to do that, as well as they have absolutely lost control of California recruiting. For the longest time, if you were a really good player out of the state of California, you more likely than not were going to go to USC. But over the last couple of years, they've had some big misses on kids going other places. You know, Bryce Young went to Alabama. DJ Uyungle goes to Clemson. A lot of other schools have kind of been able to slide into California and, and recruit kids that normally would have gone to USC. Oregon. Oregon's been another one that's had a lot of success. Um, as well as Arizona State. Arizona Bijan, State that's had a lot of success in California. Bijan Robinson went to Texas. Five-star running back. Uh, there's, a, there's a wide receiver from the 2021 class who went to Texas, Xavier Worthy. A uh, linebacker that went to Utah. You know, a receiver to Clemson, a tight end to Georgia. You know, they are able to monopolize the talent in California like they used to be able to. Now, you know, they'll still sign, I bet, a top ten 
Yeah, I just want to take a look at this. So their the, their 2020 class. Well, while we're waiting, yeah, Artem, what does this bode? Yeah, how does this bode for uh, USC given the, given what we saw out of Oregon and uh, UCLA the past few weeks? I mean, it's probably not. It's not promising. Twenty sixty fourth. Yeah. Now, to be yeah. fair, their twenty twenty one class was seventh. As I was thinking about it, they play BYU, they play UCLA, like you mentioned, and they play Notre Dame. I bet. They go on a win streak here against Washington State, Oregon State, probably Colorado, and then Utah and Notre Dame on their back-to-back games where they could win or lose. And Notre Dame is ranked still, right? Like 12 or something. I know they still dropped that they won by a field goal, but... Yeah, they're, they're 12. Clay Elton is still there, and he beats Notre Dame. He'll be there next year. But anyway, sorry. Andrew, you were saying they had like a 70th... Like, they, they were 64th in 2020, but they were 7th in 2021. So, not yeah, not a great. They've dropped off hard. I'm surprised. Um, were they? I need to look up what their actual record was last year. I don't think they were that bad, but it's shocking. Um, no, but the, the Pac-12 also only played like four or five games last year, so it's really weird. Oh yeah, so you think they pulled an Ohio State like they played three games and it was like, yeah, they they, they look good, sure. Same same kind of thing, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I would be very concerned if you're a USC fan or if you're even if you're the coach, I, I would be like, not looking forward to how that plays out for you. I mean, UCLA is coming on your heels. Arizona State is turning thing is t- turning things around and staying up there. Oregon until the. Uh... NCAA drops the hammer on them like they're trying to. Oh, okay. Is that what's happening? I don't yeah, know. They're, they're under investigation for some recruiting shenanigans. Yeah, but how much power do we expect the NCAA to have? I don't oh, know. Oh, they'll punish the shit out of Arizona State. We'll see. I mean, they won't touch the big boys, but they'll punish the shit out of Arizona State. Probably. Um... <laughs> it depends. I wonder how it's going to play into like, having a... They have a GM now, right? So... It's just, I, I have a hard time respecting uh, the NCAA at this point. So, other top teams, I want to go ahead and get number three out of the way. Ohio State uh, is uh, took a big hit, lost to Oregon. And despite the game being with the ending within a touchdown, I, I got to say, it was never really that close. Oregon pretty much maintained a two-score lead the entire game. It, it was never really in doubt for them. They pretty much had it the entire way. Um, so, I guess, Andrew, what were your thoughts on Ohio State getting knocked off? Especially especially looking back at last year where they just kind of fell into uh, the top spot uh, in the playoff. Yeah, it's, it was an interesting game. I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, to be fair, Ohio State outgained Oregon by over 100 yards. The six twelve to five oh five or in or Ohio State at once or ever. I think the biggest thing to me is you can see how Oregon kind of controlled the ball. 
they ran the ball 38 times for 269 yards, averaged 7.1 yards per carry. And like you said, it, it never seemed like a game because every time USC would get within a score, they'd do something stupid or, you know, it was 35 to 28. And Ohio State forced the punt, and then they'd throw an interception. And that pretty much ended the game. I, you know, shout out to CJ Burdell, the running back for Oregon. 20 carries, 161 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he looked really, really good. I mean, to me, I think this is when you kind of pin on the Oregon defense. When you when you put up over 600 yards of total offense, you expect to win the game. I, I would think you would expect to win the game. You know, that's my thing. You know, there's some, some play calling questions. They turn the ball over on downs. Uh, at the Oregon 8, which doesn't help. So some red zone trips where they struggled and weren't able to do anything. But you got to expect the defense to, to step up and make some stops. And I think that's the biggest thing is when they needed the defense to make those stops, they they weren't able to do it. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, but I think this is also, I guess if you're Ohio State, you kind of hope that this is the opponent that you can kind of bounce back against because it sets up Oregon very well in the rankings, but this could be a good situation where if Oregon stays at the top and Ohio State runs the table, they could still be in. And yeah, this, our, Ohio State, you, you hope that Oregon wins the, the Pac-12. Stays and, undefeated and wins the Pac-12. Yeah, and Artem, how hard do you think the Big Ten is going to try to uh, make things easier on Ohio State to make the playoff? I don't know. I don't know if they can do much in this situation. Talking about this in three, what is it, three, three and a half months about how a one loss Ohio State is better than someone to be a team. Can't wait, he says sarcastically. I mean, that, that other team will be Cincinnati. I don't know, man. Carolina or, or a G5. I, mean, I, think, I, don't think, I don't think that I don't think they have an argument against like an undefeated Alabama. Well, here's here's okay. Here's my question. So let's say the Pac-12 goes undefeated. Whatever happens with the Big 12, I don't know. Probably Oklahoma, and then Alabama out of the SEC. So who goes in? One loss, Clemson, or one loss, Ohio State? It de- it depends. So if you're saying Oregon wins the Pac-12, I'd probably go with Ohio State because they get the benefit of the doubt for losing to that. Oregon team, you know, are we assuming that Georgia wins the East and loses to Alabama in the SEC title game? Yeah, I mean, that's the assumption I'm running under, yeah. Because that gets to be a fun argument, too, is if, if it's a Georgia whose only loss is to Alabama in the SEC title game, the playoff committee's already shown they're willing to put a second SEC team in. Oh, this is a... Yeah, I think we moved away from that last season when it was like a one-loss independent Notre Dame that played nobody. Yeah, but Notre Dame's Notre Dame. We, we, we keep talking about they they have historical cash that they maybe shouldn't have, which you could argue Ohio State, Alabama, all of them have that too, Georgia. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's going to be I – don't, I don't see it, two SEC teams making it at any point in time until they expand the playoff at this point. There has to be entirely too much chaos. Yeah, I think the more realistic scenario, yeah, would be like – it would be that it would be between Clemson and Ohio State because I think 
unless Georgia just really keeps it close and loses on a play, which we've seen before against Alabama, but we'll, we'll see. We, you never know. They, they really don't like redoing their matchups if they don't have to. Uh, yeah, I don't, this makes it more complicated, but it does. I think Ohio state was the one that we were expecting to fall. If, uh, if one of the top four teams did fall, I mean, do you, you kind of agree with that? Ohio State seemed like the most out of sorts of, say, the Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson ilk out there. I bet Oklahoma loses to Texas. It, like you said, it's going to be a mess. Like, I'm looking at the standings now, and Ohio State is third behind Penn State and Michigan State at this point in their uh, division of the conference. And then right now it's looking like Iowa's going to come out of that division. So Iowa might be playing Michigan State for the big uh, for the title game. And, you know, the difference between a Ohio State one loss that made it and an Ohio State one loss that didn't play in their own championship game, that's that may be what we're arguing I mean, down the road. I think the more realistic situation would be, like, if they lose to Penn State. I, I kind of hope Penn State just takes the conference. That would be the best situation. That would make football more interesting for me, from my perspective. But I know y'all aren't huge on uh, the coach out there. Uh, all right, so other big matchups. I mean, we'll just run down the list. So Tennessee lost again. Any surprise? No surprises there. Utah lost. Uh and then I think the other one, Ohio uh, – sorry, not Ohio. Iowa State got taken down by Iowa. So I think those are the big three I want to focus on. I know they're – oh, Texas and Arkansas was the other one. So, Artem, since we're kind of running the gambit before we make our predictions for next week, do you have anything to say about any of those games? Uh, I think Iowa showed us they have a strong defense this season and that they have a tendency to not turn the ball over on offense. So – as long as they manage the game and you know run the ball well, they're they're going to take the time off the clock. And I think Iowa State looked decent uh, aside from the turnovers. So I, I don't think by any means Iowa State will be a bad team. They'll still be a top team in the Big Twelve. So that tells you everything you need to know about Iowa. I'm looking at them as the the champion out of uh, that division of the Big Ten now. So they'll be playing for the title game. Um, from, from the Texas-Arkansas game, I don't think we learned anything we didn't know. We knew that Pittman was going to get Arkansas better. Last year, um, you know, they went through the gauntlet of the SEC in his, I believe it was his first year. Um, but his teams are going to get better. And the thing is, he still doesn't have the recruiting that he needs to win some of the top games. So uh, I honestly expected Texas to lose that game because they're always overhyped and their recruits are always overrated because they come into Texas. So um, what we saw was something we expected Texas to be and something a little bit surprising from Arkansas. Great. Now Arkansas needs to go and win some games that mean something uh, on top of a, you know, not being an overrated Texas. Because we've seen what Notre Dame can do that four years ago, and they ended up dropping a bunch of games. Um, really, I'm hoping for a lot of chaos this season. It was a, aside from the Aggie uh, uh, heart attack game, there was a lot of really good games. There's a lot of teams stepping up and playing team football to be higher talented rankings wise teams, and it's really fun to watch. I'll be honest. This is probably the most. This weekend was the most I've switched team football games in 
three or four years. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. There was a lot. Man, whenever there's chaos, that just makes college football so much more fun. Uh, I am glad Texas loses. Hopefully when Arkansas makes their next big win, it's not against Texas A&M. Uh, Andrew, so again, I'll run them through. Pitt, Tennessee, Utah, BYU, Iowa, Iowa State, and Texas, Arkansas. Any thoughts on any of those matches? Tennessee, I still don't trust Pitt, but I also don't trust anyone else in the Coastal. It's a train wreck. Okay, fair enough. Iowa sets themselves up really, really good. I read our only two real games left on their schedule are Penn State and Wisconsin. So they do have a really good chance to win that side of the Big Ten. Uh, especially given that Wisconsin has already lost to Penn State. So it, it almost kind of sets up that Wisconsin Iowa game as the de facto West championship game. I didn't watch any of the Holy War. I know that BYU winning broke a, a nine game win streak for Utah. So that's kind of cool. BYU looks surprisingly good this year. And then uh, Duncan on Texas. That would really surprise me. Arkansas just absolutely dominated that game. It's one of those where we are kind of so I'm surprised. And Texas, again, is one of those teams in my mind that should never be bad. Given the resources, given everything around it, they're, they're like Florida State or even Miami to an extent. And, I mean, hell, we throw Tennessee in that category. I mean, they're teams that, given the history and given the financial support, should not be bad. And yet they consistently find ways to be. I'm, I'm saying that because... I, I, think, I think the commonality you see, there is too much booster input, too much booster control. I mean, one of the best things Alabama ever did was let Nick Saban get in and the boosters just kind of got out of the way and were like, all right, we'll write the checks, you win the games. Yeah. I I mean, it is kind of a surprise. It is, uh, now that the NIL is here, I don't know how that's going to change things, if it will at all. Um, but it's a shame. I, I know you were high on this coach in particular uh, coming in, but it's it's we'll see what happens. No, sorry, I'm thinking of my dad. My dad's high on this coach because he's from Alabama. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the current coach of Texas. Oh, Sarkeesian. Yeah. I mean, he was really good at Washington. Um, not great at USC, and then he had a drinking problem. Uh, I think he's actually done a lot to get over. I was a really good OC at Alabama. But, I, mean, I, think, I think the biggest thing, you have to have in Texas is kind of like I said with Nick Saban, and I think it's one of the things that at least early on in his career, Mac Brown was really good at it. He's really good at North Carolina is the ability to schmooze and deal with, with boosters who want to have an active, a more active role in your program than they probably should. And I think that it, you have to be able to balance and deal with those politics and I think that's something that a lot of coaches are going to struggle with. Yeah, I don't think a lot of coaches are willing to do that anyway, or at least most coaches. All right. Um, I think a coach that would be really, really good for it, but it'll never happen, would be Davo Sweeney and Clemson. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I don't – I mean, he I wouldn't think leave Clemson for Texas. So. If, if, Clemson, if he leaves Clemson, he's going to Alabama. 
at least in my not, not if you ask the Texas boards. If you ask the Texas oh. boards, though, they can choose anybody. <laughs> Nick Saban's going, been going there for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it apparently I, got pretty far along negotiations before it stopped a couple of years ago. I don't I know. Think he saw the same, I think he saw the issue of, I, if I come in here, I'm going to have a lot of overactive boosters that I don't have to deal with in Alabama. Yeah, they're going to pay me a lot more, but it's going to be a lot more of a headache. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably the right, I think he made the right decision, but I'm a little biased. All right, guys. Well, we have knocked out the week two discussion, so let's go into week. No, we haven't. We have to have our Presbyterian Blue Hose report. <laughs> when did? Oh, what? Okay. All right. Go ahead, man. What? You... Uh, Presbyterian beat the UFTL Eagles, which is the second week in a row they played a team that I've never heard of. Uh, they Oh, yeah, okay. I was so confused when you sprung this on me. So, Artem, Artem, uh, Andrew, can you please describe this? Because I know Artem doesn't know, and some of our listeners have forgotten. The reason that we care, or at least I care, about Presbyterian is they hired Kevin Kelly as their head coach, who was previously the head coach at Pulaski Academy of Private School in Arkansas. Kelly's a head coach who is known for heavily using analytics to impact his decision-making. And one of the things that he does is he almost always goes for two, he almost never punts, and he almost always onside kicks. As well as he has a really kind of interesting offense that's designed around a lot of mid, mid-range passes that put players in position to break tackles and make open field moves. Because he talks about playing coverage and making open field tackles are two of the hardest things to do on the football field. And so Presbyterian hired him to be their head coach, and I've been really wanting to follow them to see how they how they do. And so the quarterback, again, Red Heckley, who threw 10 touchdown passes last year, or the last week, only threw four this week. Uh, he was 22 of 35 for 309 yards and four touchdowns. Now, unfortunately, he also threw two interceptions as well. Um, and Presbyterian has an all-name team nominee in their running back, Del Vecchio Powell II. Which is a great name, by the way. That should be an incredible name. Eight carries, 73 yards. Um, again, like I am tracking Presbyterian because I want to see what they did. They, again, I believe had an entire game where they did not punt. So, good for them. And the, uh, Next week's game against Campbell will be an interesting one because Campbell is a scholarship program, whereas Presbyterian is nearly non-scholarship, so that would kind of be fascinating. But I'm here for it. Let's go Blue Hoes. <laughs> so uh, with all that said, I guess, Artem, how are you feeling about the Blue Hoes? I'm very confused but interested in what happens. Uh, do you have any surprise articles you want to spin spin us on before we go on to our week three picks? Nope, I'm good to go. All right, well then let's get down into it. So to start things off, we got Cincy at Indiana. So Indiana obviously started off the season really rough against a good Iowa team. We're finding out more and more about how talented this Iowa team is, but uh, Phoenix Jr. in particular, the quarterback at Indiana, just had a really rough game with a lot of turnovers. So, 
Indiana's going to look to bounce back. And Cincy, I really shouldn't have to say much about Cincinnati. They are the top uh, non-Power 5 team in the country right now. And this is one of a few key games for them to kind of go out and prove themselves against a Power 5 team. Uh, sadly, Indiana is no longer ranked. That's all losing badly will do that to you. So I guess going into this matchup, Artem, I'll start with you. Who do you got? Sensing, and it's not even close. This is a no game, to be honest. Looking forward to, already looking forward to next week with them where they play Notre Dame. That'll be a big one to watch, but I, I just don't think Indiana has the firepower to, to hang with Cincinnati. They're playing like a like a borderline NFL team out there, but with lesser talent. It's fun to watch. I'll probably watch this one. Uh, Andrew. Cincinnati. Okay. Andrew, who do you got? Yeah, I think Cincinnati's going to win. I really think this He's an older guy who's been around and just putting up crazy numbers. I think they're an interesting team because I think Luke Fickle, the head coach, is going to be a name that's going to get talked about for some big jobs as they start to open up next year and the year after. I think, obviously, Fickle being an Ohio State guy is going to want the Ohio State job, but the one thing we seem to know about Ohio State is they tend to hire coaches that do well enough to not get fired. So I don't know if that's something he'll ever look for it, but uh, some of these other big uh, big tech jobs might be a place for him. As well as, I don't know if he's a guy who would look for an SEC job, but I also don't know which SEC jobs would open up this year. LSU and USC, I think, are the top that come to my mind. Luke Fickles at USC would be interesting. Interesting thing. But... I'm trying to wrap yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, think, I think Cincinnati's going to win. I really like what he's built there. Did, Cincinnati got invited to the Big 12, right? They're one of the four schools. Yes. Yeah. And they accepted okay. already. So. Yeah, would he even leave if they go to the Power 5? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Is, is I, think, I think the other interesting thing that we've started to see with coaches is they're a lot more picky about moving jobs. I don't think it's, I don't necessarily think we're, we're in the era we used to be where if you were a power five school you could write a check and hire just about any G five coach you wanted. I think a lot of guys have seen coaches that go to the, the bad power five schools who fail really struggle to get another shot. Yeah like Texas. Like Texas. Um so, have you heard the link coming to USC yet? <laughs> Again. Oh, oh, God. Why would they hire him back? He wasn't very good there. It's a, it's a joke. But uh, uh, like, I saw somebody say it. It was just too funny. Uh, no, I, figured Tennessee, I figured Tennessee will fire Josh Heifel and try to bring him back. Oh, yeah, that's they true. Brought him in, though. Didn't they? This is his first year. They're going to. Back to our original conversation, I think it's Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah, I'm also taking Cincinnati. We just got off on a weird tangent. But yeah, no, I mean, I was kind of hoping Tennessee pulls like a U.S. men's team where they like fire the coach, and then they hire some new guy, and they're like, wait, this new guy sucked. Can we hire the old guy back? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so next up, Virginia Tech at West Virginia. Um, I believe this is some kind of rivalry game. I've heard. Yeah. 
This is, I call it the cold I I always view it as like the the battle at the garbage dump, but personally, but uh, you know, I think uh, Virginia Tech. This would obviously make go a big way to uh, making a statement. There's not a lot of. I know Andrew will get upset, but you know, there's not a huge lot of uh, games that Virginia Tech can prove themselves in in the ACC since they've already gone through uh, North Carolina. So uh, this game against West Virginia would be would go a good way to kind of making an extra statement with a big out-of-conference win. So uh, I think both teams are pretty good, but I do give the edge to Virginia Tech in this one just based on what I've seen so far. It's tough, though, because I just it, – it's it's tough to gauge because we really didn't like Virginia Tech going into the season, and West Virginia hasn't blown me away. It's it's hard with, with how early we are, but I'm going to take Virginia Tech. Andrew, who do you got? All right, so it doesn't actually have a name, but they do play for the Black Diamond Trophy. Um, it was introduced in 1997 and was meant to symbolize the Appalachians region's rich coal heritage. Oh, I thought there was like a skiing reference. Oh, okay. Black Diamond Trophy. Boo. No, that's do with coal. I guess that makes more sense. Uh, Virginia, West Virginia leads the all-time series 28-23-1. Uh, this is the first time they will have played since 2017. And so, cool. <laughs> I don't really know who to trust because, like you said, we, we weren't very good in coming into the season. You know, they're knocking off North Carolina. They kind of showed us that maybe they're a lot better than we expected them to be. Uh, we didn't really learn anything against Middle Tennessee State because it's, it's Middle Tennessee State. They did put up a lot of yards, which is what's interesting to me. But they, they did play really good defense, especially against North Carolina, where it was, you know, West Virginia lost to Maryland, which we don't really know anything about Maryland, and then blew out of school that I don't think I've ever heard of. So we don't really know a lot about West Virginia. I'm apt to pick Virginia Tech just because I know a little bit more about them than I do West Virginia. Okay. Artem, who do you got? West Virginia should be one of the stronger Big 12 schools because they just recruit a little differently and they're an air raid on top of that, so their defense is usually a little better. Um, surprisingly, if you look at ESPN, the matchup power predictor has Virginia Tech at 56, 57% essentially and West Virginia at 43%, but the spread still has West Virginia winning, but it's a little less than three. So I, I think that drops further down as we go. I really liked how uh, in the couple of games that West Virginia or uh, Virginia Tech has played, um, they're able to control the ball with the run. And since they're playing a Big 12 team, Big 12 teams aren't known for defending their run very well. Uh, I'm not sure if West Virginia runs a 3-4 um, a or 4-3, but generally Big 12 is a 3-4 from what I have seen, and those just don't stop the run well. I think West Virginia or if Virginia Tech is able to control the run game, uh, they'll take the game over and take the clock out. So I'll take Virginia Tech here. Okay. So we're all on the Virginia Tech train. Okay. Let's let's try to diversify. Uh, I did forget to mention this up top, but uh, uh, some guy named Logan is currently leading with 12 and 8 on the year. And uh, Andrew and Artem are 10 and 10. So let's diversify, guys. Next game up, though, on the list, uh, USC at Washington State. So really – 
for me, this game comes down to, do you trust USC to bounce back against a bad Washington State team? Said this last week against Stanford, uh, but hopefully I'm right this time. I just think USC should overpower Washington State. So I'm taking USC. Artem, who do you got? I really like the fight in the, the Washington State quarterback, but I don't. I think the USC talent stands up here. They usually don't drop two in a row, so I'll take USC. All right, Andrew, what's your choice? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with Art to take the Trojans in this one. Washington State's really struggled since Mike Leach left. Nick Rolovich is not really coming in and been able to replicate his success at Hawaii. They're giving up 403 yards per game on, on defense, which is not great. You know, they lost close to a Utah State team that we don't really know anything about. They really struggled last year. I mean, USC blew them out last season, which obviously doesn't mean a lot this year. But, yeah, I just think the talent's too much for USC to to drop to in a row, like Art was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, now I give you another fun one, Andrew. We've got Florida State at Wake Forest. Florida State looked surprisingly good against Notre Dame. Maybe it was because of the Bobby Bowden game. And then... Last play of the game, they dropped it to Jacksonville State on basically a Hail Mary. Uh, I don't really – I'm back to not knowing what to think about Florida State. I'm picking West Wake Forest because uh, I like Clawson. But, man, this is another one that's just so – it's so hard to pick. I don't know. I'm going to go with Wake Forest. Andrew, who do you got? Oh, holy shit. Wake Forest is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So, Wake Forest? I go I, I love Dave Lawson. When he had never been fired, I don't know. I would love to make a Dave Lawson. But I really like Wake's many, but definitely, Wake's got a lot of talent. Their offense is really, really fun to watch. I don't know if you've ever spent a lot of time watching Wake Forest. But they they have the weirdest, and I'm going to get taken in the woods for a second. So, a lot of RPOs have a mesh where, you know, the quarterback sticks the ball in the running back's belly and then pulls it or, or hands it out depending on what he sees on the RPO. <laughs> Wake Forest will ride the mesh longer than any other team in the country. He will stick that in the running back's gut and it'll be a second and a half before he makes his decision. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, Wake Forest is one of the fastest tempo teams in the country. They they consistently finish in the top ten in plays per game. So it's a really high-paced offense that does a lot of kind of strange things. So uh, I really I really like the Deeks. I really like Dave Clawson, and I, I'd love for them to, to knock off Florida State because I want to continue this thing where I've created in my head of I want an undefeated Wake Forest playing Clemson. Okay. Well, then, that's going to go with Wake Forest. Which would be the next to last game of the season, which would be an incredible, like, if it's a one-loss Clemson and an undefeated Wake Forest playing for a chance to go to the ACC title game, like, I am absolutely here for that. Yeah. I I won't disagree. That would make it a fun matchup. But, uh... (laughs) 
Uh, they were a long way from there. Ard Ardem, uh, knowing your feelings, I'm just gonna guess you're gonna take Wake Forest. Who you got? Yeah, I'm taking Wake Forest here. It's kind of tough because I finally stopped hating Florida State because they're so bad and so trashy. But now they have Mackenzie Melton, and that was just such a good story to write week one with him coming back from, you know, almost an amputated leg, right? Uh, a miracle, as they called it. He comes in and pretty much saves them during the Notre Dame game, and they missed the field goal. And, uh, and everything else is history. But they're the type, Florida State is the type of team that, has since Jimbo left started playing to the opponent. So it's the same shit that someone used to do at AM where even regardless of how much talent you have, you play up to the talent level of your opponent and you stay there and you're more likely to lose. And they're losing these closed games still. Um, I, I bet they continue to do so. I would say Norvell's in the hot seat after this season, especially after they drop this one to Wake Forest. Yeah, I don't know how much longer he's got up there or down there, rather. Uh, all right, next up on the list, Utah looking to bounce back, going on the road to SDSU, San Diego State University. Um, the sad truth is I think San Diego State was coming off a few good years, but they are not where they used to be. And even though Utah lost to BYU on the road, that was a rivalry game. I don't think – I think Utah is going to be in the mode like USC where they're not going to want to drop two in a row. So I am taking Utah. Artem, who you got? Honestly, I'm going to say Utah, but I bet San Diego comes back and beats them here. We're 50-50 through two weeks, so I bet this is one of the ones I get wrong, but I'll go with Utah just because, again, talent, San Diego State should be dropping off, but they've also won the last two games. So, yeah, a little pissed off Utah. I just like how we're just all picking the same exact teams. Like, there has been no difference in your picks so far. Uh, Andrew, you gonna stick with the themes of the day? Picking Utah. Go Aztecs! Oh, ho, ho. They're, they're, they're coming off a huge win at Arizona, which Arizona sucks. So we really get that. But I mean, the defense is playing really, really well. They're always a team that, that I mean, that they run the ball. I mean, that's that's what they've always done. They they've been a really good program. You know, Rocky Long was there from 2011 to 2019, and he won 81 games. He won double-digit games three times. Uh, in case you're wondering, their current head coach is former Michigan head coach Brady Hoke. Oh, so, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So, fun fact, uh, Brady Hoke was the head coach at San Diego State in 2009 and 2010. And then I think he took the Michigan job. And he like, did some other stuff, and now he's back as the head coach at San Diego State. He's been doing a pretty good job so far. So uh, they, I mean, to me, they're they're one of the the top programs in the Mountain West. They play in the West Division too, which means they may not have to play Boise State. So there's a good chance that they could win that division. I mean, Nevada's good this year. Fresno State's good this year. I think we're kind of underselling a little bit the, the Mountain West this season. There's some pretty good teams there. Uh, yeah, well, we're about to talk about another one of them. Speaking of the Mountain West good teams, Oklahoma State at Boise State. I I never ride against the Broncos on the blue turf, so I'm going to take Boise State. I'm making it that simple. Um, Andrew, you were just hyping up the other teams in the Mountain West. Uh, who do you got in this matchup? I'm uh, Boise State's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. 
he cut off his mullet. <laughs> uh, you know, as a connoisseur of hair cuts, uh, I always love a good mullet. He gave up the Joe Dirt look? Damn. He did. I, I was so devastated when he did that, too. They really struggled with Tulsa, and honestly, they did do a lot against Missouri State. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to sign and agree with you and, and pick the Broncos in this one. Alrighty. Artem, who do you got? Same. This is another one of those instances where Oklahoma State still hasn't figured out who their quarterback is, or one of them got hurt or something. Jeez. Just looking at it. Shane Millingsworth, still is both active. Uh, Shane Owensworth and Spencer Sanders both have taken about 60-40% of the snaps, so they're still figuring out who their quarterback is. And their top rusher, having lost uh, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, right? Chuba, yeah, yeah, Chuba. Chuba. Their, their top rusher for the season after two games is their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, for 10 carries and 62 yards. I think Boise State plays too good of a defense. They forced him to throw, and the Boise State DBs looked good uh, the last two games. Yeah, Boise State, same with you guys. Yeah, I mean, Boise State did – they didn't win that game, which tore my heart out, but they did challenge UCF, so I'll give them that. Uh, Next up, man, we are just doing all the uh, Mountain West (laughs) games. It's it's all these games that are on at, like, 10 o'clock. It's way past my bedtime. Uh, Arizona State at BYU – uh, Herm Edwards, how Herm, how firm are we for Herm this year? And then BYU coming off the big rivalry win um, on their own home turf. I mean, this is a tough one for me because uh, I love Arizona State. Um, I I hate the NCAA, and I also like B- BYU. They're pretty good. They're fun, but uh, I think you know, I just don't think that. Uh, I don't think the Latter-day Saints is the right religion, so I'm going to have to go with the uh, Church of Herm Edwards in this one. Uh, Artem, who do you got in this matchup? This is an interesting one. I don't really know. It's like a coin flip. I don't have a coin nearby. You know, what I'm looking at is Jade Daniels, love him, but he's looked subpar so far. His quarterback rating is like 45 on the season. They've dominated the last two games, but it took a little bit of time to do it. Um, Jane Daniels doesn't look like the Jane Daniels of last couple seasons. He's shook, and the last two games were at home. Now they're going to BYU. Um, gosh. I'm going to go with uh, Arizona State here. Uh, I do like Jane Daniels, and I feel like BYU is also one of those teams that plays up. I think they played up against Utah, and I think they come down and kind of let their guard down against Arizona State, and Arizona State wins it at BYU, which will, which will be a big upset. Fair enough. Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? I definitely have to agree with Artem. I think Jay Daniels is one of the best quarterbacks no one talks about. He had an incredible freshman year his last full season where he threw for almost 3,000 yards in 17 touchdowns to two interceptions. He's only thrown four interceptions his entire career. And now, obviously, last year with the COVID season was a little different. But, you know, he's still completing. He's completing 73% of his passes this year. Yeah, he's a great athlete on the ground. He's got some good good wheels. I, I love him. Uh, I'm like, I, I, you know, for Edwards, he's been a lot more successful at Arizona State than I expected him to be, which may be why the NCAA is sticking around. 
too that going to BYU is one of the strangest environments that I've ever been in. When I was in tech, we played there, and it was weird because, you know, we're used to playing at Clemson at Georgia where the fans are hate-filled, you know, cussing at you and throwing things and, you know, flipping you off. Where, as the fans at BYU, we're all shaking our hands and saying, good luck and welcome to Provo, and, and we hope you have fun and everybody stays healthy tonight. And I'm like, wait, what? So it's also a beautiful stadium uh, tucked into the mountains. But that being said, I, I think that the talent level that Arizona State has that Herm has been able to put together there is really surprising. And, and I think that, that BYU has a chance to suffer from a bit of an emotional letdown having beat Utah. So I think we'll have to go there some state. Since we're on the topic, I just want to add that Colorado fans are trashy as hell as well, shouting F A&M the entire game and threw food at our fans. No, thank you. I hope you guys lose all your games. Hey, I hope Colorado loses all their games, too, but for a completely different reason. It was the fifth down, wasn't it? Absolutely. I don't know. I, I, I try not to say anything about fan bases I don't have any personal experience with. I mean, I'm waiting... So I gotta write this article about UNC next week, and that's like the—that's the only one where I gotta make a comment. Like, yeah, this is the only fan base that ever threatened to fight me. Anyway, uh, oh my god, I forgot about that. That dude was so angry. He like, was. Next month. I he, don't know. We were also losing. I don't understand why he was so mad. We were kicking the shit out of. They us. were beating the shit out of us. Uh. <laughs> speaking of another fan base, I'm not fond of uh, Auburn, going on the road to Penn State. Um. Man, I swear, we have this conversation every year. I don't know what to think about Auburn. It is a mess. Like, they are always ranked highly, and I'm always like, I can't tell if this is deserved or if y'all are just full of crap. It, <laughs> oh, my God. I think, um, yeah, I think I, I think that was a, somebody, somebody commented on that uh, on one of the podcasts I listened to. Where they're like, you know, it, it's, you might as well, you know, every time you talk about, anyway, something about Auburn head coaches, I'm going to have to get back to it because I, I don't remember the exact quote. But point being, I can't trust Auburn. I'm going to take Penn State. But man, this could also be a game where Auburn comes out and scores like 50 points on Penn State because that's what they do. Um, I'm taking Penn State and uh, God, God help me. Uh, Andrew, who do you got? I think I'm going to go with Penn State as well. I absolutely agree with you. You never know if you can trust Auburn or not. I don't know anything about this team. They played Alabama State and Akron, so again, we have learned absolutely nothing about them. At least with Penn State, they played beat up pretty good Wisconsin team. So, I think that's where I would put my money is, is I think Penn State's going to win. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So I, I'm going to have to go to the Denver Knights just because I, I can't trust them. Okay. Uh, Artem, how about yourself? He's not French, but F, James Franklin, once again. Uh, I think this is a matchup of two, like you mentioned, Auburn. We never have an idea of what the heck to expect. They play up on teams, but they're generally average as well. I think Penn State really, I'm not going to say they beat Wisconsin. I know the score says they did, 
but Wisconsin beat themselves. They had three drives where they should have scored, and Penn State stopped putting up points. So I think Wisconsin beat themselves. They played nobody last week. Uh, I know Penn State are favorites, but uh, I, I like Carson and Auburn in this one. I think they have more talent on that team. You know, they're going into that stadium, but um, Auburn's look good. They put up 60 points. I know, once again, they haven't played the big teams. We'll truly find out what Auburn is against LSU and Georgia in week five and six. Uh, but I do think uh, they take away this matchup from uh, from Penn State and we really find out you know, what kind of team Penn State is. Okay, I found the quote where the, <laughs> um, this guy on the podcast was talking about F1 drivers, and he's like, this guy, you know, they it doesn't matter what these guys do, the fans will want them fired, and they'll go, they'll go lose every race, and then next year they'll win every race, and the fans will still want them fired. Anyway, point being, I, I, I cannot stand Auburn. Uh... I'm not going to lie, Artem. I didn't pay attention to anything you were saying. I was too, too busy looking up this podcast. Two fake teams, Penn State, Jane Franklin sucks. Auburn. Wow. Okay. Well, at least we're diversifying a little bit. All right. Next up, we got our personal picks. Uh, I'm just going to get mine out of the way real fast. Uh, Colorado over Minnesota. So I've watched both these teams at least one game. I watched Minnesota against Ohio State, um, and despite how, what they did in the first half of the game, they just couldn't keep up. Colorado, on the other hand, I watched what they did against Texas A&M, and I know, yes, Texas A&M was down their quarterback. I'm sure Hardum will tell me uh, where I'm wrong on this, but I think Colorado, despite their lack of talent, managed to find a way to hang in there, especially on defense their defense looked fantastic in that game and maybe it's because they were used to playing in that environment that also could be a factor but um colorado looked very confident now i can't speak as much to their offense but they were going up against texas a&m which is should be one of the better defenses in the country so i do think uh colorado coming up against minnesota i think i would give them the edge in this matchup so i'm going to take colorado um, Artem, who do you got for your personal pick? There, there's a couple of really good games out there. I'm going to mention four games that I'll be trying to watch, and then I'll pick uh, one of the four to, to actually pick a score on, just because I feel like they could go either way. You know, uh, I'll, I'll start just to give examples. UCF versus Louisville, I think, is going to be more interesting than it looks. I think Louisville's pissed off that they use some garbage time in games to figure out what they're about, and they got a win last week. Uh, not going to pick that one. Uh, Nebraska versus Oklahoma, uh, I think it's going to be closer than people think. I don't think it's going to be a 22-point spread with Oklahoma winning. I, I think it'll be much closer than that, and I'm hoping Nebraska pulls out a dub here um, just because I don't like Oklahoma being overrated. Um, Virginia versus Tar Heels, I think, is going to be a good game as well. Um, just... Two really good teams. Uh, it is a nine-point spread, but it'll be much closer than that. And then my pick is um, I'm picking Spartans, Michigan State Spartans over Miami at Miami. Uh, Miami's a six-and-a-half-point favorite, um, but I think the Spartans are a good team this year. Uh, they haven't turned the ball over a lot, and they have a decent defense. And Derek Cage doesn't look himself uh, 
the last few games. Um, their their win against Appalachian State was way too close, and Alabama. What we've learned about Alabama over the last decade is, after you play Alabama, Alabama literally gives you the tape of how to beat the team that you're playing. And if you just defend and run the same scheme that Alabama runs, exploiting the same weaknesses, you will very likely beat that team because they don't make any changes to make themselves better. So uh, Miami having played Alabama, I think Michigan, Michigan State Spartans actually take this one at Miami. I don't, I don't get the hype behind Derek King. I mean, I get the guy looks good in practice. I've got, I'm just against quarterbacks looking good in practice now. You know, after our talk about Georgia Tech earlier. Uh, anyway, Andrew, who you got in your personal pick? Okay, so the first game, I'm not going to pick it, but I do want to talk about the fact that Presbyterian. This was going to be Northwestern at Duke. Oh shit! Are they playing this weekend too? I think so. But uh, that oh, hold on, we we got dueling nerd bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I'm, I may have to reassess this. Give me a second. North, I feel like the Northwestern at Duke one, based on how Duke has performed, I think that one's much more obvious. But uh, oh shit! Hold on, yeah, we got dual we got dual nerd bubbles. Let me let me let me double check this. Actually, uh, Stanford's an 11-point favorite at Vanderbilt, whereas Northwestern's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Duke. What am I missing about Northwestern? Holy shit. What are, what are we missing about Vanderbilt? 11-point favorite? Are you kidding me? Vanderbilt <laughs> put out two turns the last two weeks. It should be like... No, Stanford's an 11-point favorite. Yeah, I know. It should be four. It should be like 30. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, Vanderbilt did beat Colorado State last week. I follow Colorado State being a master's grad out of there. They've put up a turd the last three seasons. It's been I – tur- I have had to turn it off. I've tried to pull a bunch. Didn't, didn't Duke just lose to North Carolina A&T last week? No, they, they, they blew A&T up 45 to 17. They lost to Charlotte the week before. Okay. I thought they lost to A&T, and I was very confused. Okay, now no, that's – spreads are surprising because they're smaller than I think they should be because I think Northwestern should have a much bigger spread because their loss is to a pretty good Michigan State team but I don't know but I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Stanford Vanderbilt third bowl I think Stanford's going to win uh, especially coming off the USC win and as we've seen Vanderbilt is just terrible I I cannot wait for you to be the kiss of death on Stanford uh, dude I, I've been the kiss of death on Stanford before <laughs> you, you act like it's something new. I'm the kiss of death on a lot of teams. I mean, remember, I was driving the nine Indiana bandwagon, and that fell apart. I was talking about Illinois going to a bowl game, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, could have been no, more. we're not going to talk about the Georgia Tech ones in No. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Do you really want to pick that? Because I, I can... T- Oh, good. Good for us. 
Do uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to pick on the spread, we could throw that in as an extra one. Just be- I, I think I think that, I think I would consider it a yellow jacket win if we're within two scores at halftime. Okay, at halftime. Uh, at halftime. I don't I don't necessarily believe that, but anyway. I don't either. But hey, you know what? Sometimes all you have hopes and dreams. Uh, I'll throw that in as a bonus. It's like Andrew's bonus pick. <laughs> Do you have any bonus picks, Artem? Aggies over uh, New Mexico. <laughs> uh, you you gotta give me you gotta give me the how much y'all lead at the half. Uh, there's so much uncertainty. Okay, how about this? Seven... 21 to 10. 21 to 10 of the half. Okay, so an 11, 11 points or more lead. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay, so I've got Andrew's bonus. Georgia Tech within 14 at half. And Artem's bonus. Hang on, take my bonus away. Put a new one on. A defense will score a touchdown during the entirety of that game. We'll have a defensive touchdown in A&M versus New Mexico. Okay. No, A&M. I guarantee you, Clemson will score a defensive touchdown. Oh, you're just saying A defense will score a touchdown. So not A&M. No, A&M's defense will score a touchdown against New Mexico. Okay, fine. Okay. And <laughs> I like how we're just making this up as we go along. All right. I'm going to make my bonus pick after we talk about the next game, Alabama at University of Florida. So, I mean, I guess this is Alabama's first challenge. Do we even call this a challenge? So, Florida is a scrappy team. I will say that Florida has come out and has made uh, plenty of challenges for teams that coming out of the West where I think most people kind of write them off otherwise. The Swamp is a terrifying place to play a football game. And frankly, I think UF has been better than a lot of people have expected them to be over the past few years. And people would generally consider them to be uh, the next team other than obviously the Dwags uh, coming out of the East. Uh, I think the problem is because uh, Georgia won against Clemson, Florida's gotten kind of buried, but they are still a good team. All that said, I mean, I'm picking Alabama. I kind of have to. I got family, and Alabama's just really, really good. So uh, I'm taking Alabama, uh, and that's that. So, Andrew, uh, who are you picking, and why is it Alabama? Uh, Well, Alabama's a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. That's less than I thought. Florida has a lot of quarterback issues. Emory Jones, their starting quarterback, has struggled a bit. He's thrown two interceptions in each game. Uh, obviously, matter of a matter specific USF and FAU, but if it, he's showing that kind of struggles against defenses like that, I think against a team like Alabama, they've got to be licking their chops. So I think that Florida's going to struggle even more than normal because they're not good at quarterback, and Alabama doesn't make it easy on quarterbacks, as well as, again, 
I, I swear to God, we say this every year about how this might be the best offense Alabama's had in the Nick Saban era. Because Bryce Young, like, Jesus Christ. How is a true freshman that good? Like, that is incredible. The talent of what he brings to the table. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, I mean, it's Alabama. I, I don't even think it'll be necessarily that close. It might be a close game going into the half, but I don't I don't imagine that, yeah. that it's going to be. So, I, I made up my uh, bonus pick, by the way. It's pretty – it's decently bold, I think. Alabama leads by 17 or more at the half. I think that's fair. I can see that, yeah. Also, I, I need to learn like how adjusted QBR works because Bryce Young was 19 of 27 for 227 and three touchdowns against Purser, but his QBR was 37.1. Dude, don't ask me. I don't, I don't know analytics. I leave that to the rest of the from the Rumble Seat staff because I don't know how numbers work. I'm not an engineer, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I'm not an engineer. Don't tell nobody. Uh, Artem, who do you got and what's your major? (laughs) Uh, I think it's Alabama. It seems like an easy pick. I'm just going to stick with my strategy. Florida still hasn't picked a quarterback yet. Between their two quarterbacks, the one that played the most on average throws for 5.4 yards a throw, which is not enough first down. And what we've seen out of teams who can throw well, they're throwing way past the nine, ten yards uh, a pop. So, um, like like Andrew pointed out, he's already got four turnovers as far as interceptions throughout the season. And the guy behind him is a fifty percent completion guy that runs a lot and is actually their top rusher, Anthony Richardson. It, it's interesting because they've uh, already amassed seven hundred sixty-three rushing yards in two games. Um, but I think it's going to be easy for Nick Saban to shut it down. It, it, you know, from where I'm sitting, armchair coach, you essentially leave their uh, the cornerbacks on an island, uh, get, and then get the safeties in the box and essentially stop the run and make them uh, beat you by throwing you by throwing on you. I think it's going to be a close game for a little bit because uh, folks are giving Alabama quarterback uh, Bryce Young a little too much credit. He's still young, you know. I, I don't think he's that good. I think it's kind of like the, the Oklahoma system the last few years where, yeah, it's probably easier to throw somebody to somebody who's wide open. It still takes talent, but you're not forcing the ball in windows. You're not forcing the quarterback to make bad decisions. I think the Florida the defense is decent, but the wider receivers that, that are still at Alabama, the ones that haven't left, have actually been playing the last two seasons. So it's not like you're having to break them in, really. They've been in a lot of the big games. They're just the wide receiver three or wide receiver two a lot of the time. So I I think we still haven't seen Bryce Young challenged enough. I don't think it'll be this game either because even though Alabama's lost a linebacker for the season already, their their defense is just going to be too good. As long as they can stop the run, Gators won't put up a lot of points by the end of the game. That's fair. Uh, Well, I think that's everything. I do like – this is going to be a pretty bland week because I think the only different picks are Andrew picked South San Diego State – and Artem picked Auburn. So this was a good week for bonus picks. <laughs> uh, hopefully we get above 500 this week. Well, anyway. Uh, uh, All right. But anyway, I think that's going to be it for us. Uh, thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, hope you all have a good rest of your week. 
and uh, stay happy and healthy out there. Uh, have a good night, everybody.